You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, Dan Duvall here to welcome you back to the podcast, let you know that danduvall.com is the home of the Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall podcast. It's also the home of our merch store and where you can become a podcast patron that gives you benefits, including early access to these podcasts. This week's podcast is going to be a doozy trigger warning in advance. We also have something else called Overcomer Accelerated. I haven't talked about it for a little while because, frankly, you haven't been able to sign up. But we are opening up registration for the winter quarter. What is Overcomer Accelerated? It's essentially an opportunity for people that are on a healing journey from difficult traumas connecting to satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control projects, and other backgrounds that reduce extraordinary trauma. And we, we are creating an educational experience where not only do people get to learn by having access to over 100 hours of courses, but they also get to receive live demonstration in the context of a community of other survivors that are all learning how to better receive ministry and how to understand the healing journey that they're on. And so I do live group coaching. I answer questions. We also have other opportunities for community with book studies and so forth. And uh, it's all in one package. So it is an educational experience for those on a healing journey. And there are two ways to sign up starting this winter. You will be either able to sign up and bring a coach that is someone that you're already working with, likely from the Bride Ministries platform, or number two, you will be able to pay a little more and get a coach that is in our residency program. What, what that means is you'll be able to work with someone that's been through a year of training with me and is working to secure a certain number of hours before being released onto the Bride Ministries platform. And frankly, they are pretty darn good. So uh, there'll be two ways to register for Overcomer Accelerated starting this January, and you can get that at overcomeraccelerated.com. With that said, we're going to jump right into the podcast. I'll see you on the other side. Those were your announcements. Well, friends, we're back on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And I am sitting down for a second round with Jerusha, fifth generation super soldier who joined me once before, just recently. And if you heard it, your head is probably still spinning. She went into a whole lot of detail and a whole lot of subjects that, well, are quite fringe. We talked specifically around the subject of quantum access programs. And well, with the uh, jump off that we took, uh, we are back to continue that conversation into time travel, specifically talking about the time bureau, time assassins, and a lot of other subjects that connect to these ideas that Jerusha, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Dan, for having me again. It's good to be yeah. here. <laughs> well, you know, there was a lot that you had the opportunity to open up on in, in our first podcast. 
And I want to give you the opportunity, if there was anything that you wanted to clarify on what you shared the first time before we dive deeper. Uh, sure. So I could clarify a couple of things that, you know, I've started sharing in my decompression. So you asked me, how do you gain access or get involved in these identified and, and unidentified um, projects? So usually it's from birth choice. Uh, you can choose it for pre-existence, actually, I found out. In the 80s, they did the blood priming to specifically uh, create babies or choose you from a family line. Epigenetics or becoming such an anomaly in the projects that the research they gathered from you helps them to advance in certain areas and allows you to have a special type of clearance, like a leeway or a protection to continue to incongruently work with intelligence at any point in tandem. So it can kind of function like an immunity agreement too with certain intelligences. And some of this started with the Anderson Institute at the end of Montauk. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Anderson Institute. They specialize in quantum physics. Tell us about the Anderson Institute. Um, they were at the very tail end uh, when other groups were there, NASA and some lingering Nazi scientists were there. Uh, but they were actually much kinder, much nicer people. And they allowed us more liberties there. Uh, when NASA was trying to absorb all of that research, they kind of compartmentalize certain things. And if you go on the Anderson Institute's webpage, you'll see some very fringe material. It's all about time travel, primarily um, Alcubierre warp drives and all sorts of things like that. If you want like diagrams and manuals and scientific access. So um, wow. the clearance that you get from being in the unidentified quantum access programs is similar to a black clearance. And that's kind of similar with what the Pentagon does and that funnels into the NRO. Time files, space files, those get dispersed throughout the wings and branches of the NRO. And a lot of it was rooted in reconnaissance. So they also have a patch in the NRO that designates you a master of space and it has a white Pegasus horse on it. And that's why. Uh, because you could just show up at places that had, say, like elevators with no buttons on them because the vast amount of biotech that they've already inlaid within you is already calibrated to different sectors and systems and bases. So I, I use the term galactic courier. And what that was is somebody was used to retrieve objects in places that others couldn't go. And a lot of it's DNA calibrated frequency. Uh, you could gather ancient artifacts from systems, time, and anchor them into the present reality. And the weird thing is, is a lot of objects don't belong in this reality. They figured out that they could actually transport objects. They could retrieve objects. Uh, but what they did is they brought a lot of cursed items in, and that caused some type of uh, disruptions and incursions in the natural flow. And so what we did is we corrected those by what we called quantum folding. And I touched on that a little bit about the loose energy sites that we went into, we shut down. But then we, what we did is that we used a specific type of like quantum science to infuse an area that was uh, had inverse light or loose energy for say hundreds of years. And we inlay that area with certain layers of stones, uh, rocks, plasma lights, because you can do plasma light infusions to disperse that too and fire burns to disperse and discharge also strange fire. Because if you have an area where a lot of strange fire was, then um, God actually showed us how to purify that area with, with holy fire. 
because that's another spiritual weapon is holy fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit of that fire. So, so we don't go ahead. What, what, because are you bringing up galactic couriers? Mm-hmm. You're, and, and, and this is some of the stuff that I've, you know, in different ways heard over the years, but that they sent people from this timeline into other timelines. And, and it's not only earth timelines, but for other planets and different things to, to actually bring items back into present time and, 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 third dimension, so to speak. So you're, you're, you're telling us you were involved in some of these projects and, and there, there had to be certain efforts made around some of the objects brought back because they were cursed wherever they were retrieved from. Yes, exactly. Um, wow. It was on and off world. So like the first example I can remember, I was about eight years old. They sent me into uh Rock Lake, which has 10 Nephilim mounds, but this area is sacred to the Mormon military branch because that's actually a king Nephite mm-hmm. Nephilim and a queen. So they wanted us to go to the bottom of this lake for some reason and collect Nephilim bones. Um, I don't know exactly what they did with these Nephilim bones, but I remember going in the water. There was a tunnel from Fort McCoy, a military person on my right. And he's looking at me and he said, are you ready? And then I went in the water. Um, After that, something happened in the water. I had a bone in my hand. The memories are a little bit scattered, but then I had also a hole punctured in the side of my rib cage from something down there and had to have like a nano patch put on it. So they did a ritual with this hand that was a Nephite King's hand. Um, My dad was involved with that and some other people. And everybody who seemed to touch this hand got infected by it. And they would, my dad had an altar because of it. And they called him um, Captain Howdy Hands. And that's also in an altar in, I think it's the movie, The Exorcist, one of those old movies. But then they made a horror movie called The Hand around this time too, because of this ritual they were doing with this hand. he would go into an altar and stare at his hand and his hand would start shaking and um, whatever energy and power source that they got from his hand or what they were trying to do, um, I just saw it affected a lot of people. Um, and this could be similar to what CERN's trying to do. Um, I think Anthony Patch is the one who brought this information out. They were trying to uh, put the head of Osiris or somebody into CERN like physically collect it and put it inside of the machine to to mesh and, and meld with it to maybe resurrect him. <clears throat> so it's kind of like a galactic trading and this goes on in the Arctic regions too. And that's also a kind of a galactic courier system that they've set up in the Arctic regions. And they have vaults stored there and those go off worlds, different types of crafts. Wow. So, okay, just backing up a, a, a little bit. So, so one of the jobs that you had, um, because I'm assuming you were a galactic courier, was yeah. to go to the, the bottom of this lake. And, and, and when, when they sent you on this mission, was that in this timeline or did they send you to like another timeline to do this? It was this timeline uh, because 
many anomalies still happen at this lake and it's very supernatural site still a lot of boats and things that have went down at a certain level all they all get scrambled all the lights go out and they still haven't actually been able to retrieve whatever is on the bottom of this lake yet to this day but you went to the bottom to get nephilim bones and you got one you were also injured that was the prize yeah um I'm not sure what came out that injured me, but it was like a, uh, it seemed like nanite, like a black snake-like thing that was guarding the lake that almost looked like a black goo that actually formed um, like a point and then punctured my side. So I think they took that experience from me and put it in Snow White too, because she gets punctured by a black nanite uh, sword or spear. And then you... You, you but you got this bone out and help me understand where does the hand come in because it was in uh they put it in a special type of box or container and they did some type of military mormon ritual that's called hmm. it's called the hand as far as what i remember um i don't know why certain sectors certain people in the military and mormonism especially worship these fallen ones and they're obsessed with the Nephilim. Do you know that there's three immortal Nephites that they worship? Have you heard of them? No. Yeah, I, I was always told about them. And the Mormons have three immortal Nephites. And what they do is they record everything that's happened on earth. Um, it's a prized secret in top Mormonism. And, but what I believe these three Nephites are is actually the three Nephilim that appeared to Joseph Smith in a cave in upstate New York. Now the, their prophet is the only one that's allowed at the top levels of the Mormon temples, right? So I think that he is going up to those top levels and conversing with these three immortal Nephites. Um, Cause a lot of things are done in secret. They're kind of get, getting debriefed and because he says he's up there talking to God, but you know that the Mormon prophet is not, right? <laughs> so yeah. God well, kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the three immortal Nephites is, is what I believe what he is talking to up there. So, okay. So um, galactic couriers go through the uh, uh, universe. In different timelines they collect objects uh sometimes those objects are actually coming from physical locations um on our earth in present time oh and and and, and they're being used uh, they're being used for diabolical purposes connected to certain organizations and military tell me what are time assassins well, they did a lot of different experiments in time. They they realized that they could successfully move objects through time. They could move people through time and they could go what we called sideways in time. So one of the tricks that they used with the kids, they told them that they had their souls, which wasn't true, or they killed their souls and that they could dispose of them in time, basically erase them. So that was your biggest fear, right? Having these people go in stalk you, hunt you through time, which did happen, and then dispose of you so that your existence would be erased or something. Uh, it was just one of the, there were so many crazy 
Nazi science things that they tried. I mean, if you can imagine um, the worst thing possibly that you could think somebody could do, they that would be their go-to. There's nothing that you know they wouldn't try. Hmm. So a lot of times in galactic courier situations, if you brought things in, it would give a certain being or entity a foothold in this reality. So that is also a form of quantum tunneling in itself, because the more agreements you have, and I'm going to do favors for these beams, you know, it gets bigger and bigger, kind of like you're snowballing it or building a bigger aperture space for them to come through by your choices, by your actions. So we also learned that we had to stop doing that because most the time they lie, <laughs> don't get what they say. So quantum, what did I say? Quantum uh, tunneling. tunneling. Yeah. That's also used in a pyrokinesis. There was a lab in Missouri, Dr. Shunger was running it and he was trying to teach the children how to look through the middle of a shaft of DNA and how to tunnel through that. And that would create uh, pyrokinesis. So we know there's 144,000 light filaments in one strand of DNA. So it's kind of like they were reversing anything that was good with light codes and trying to invert it into trying to have power over creation in some way. Wow. Use it for chaotic purposes and reasons instead of divine right order, which the light codes in our DNA are supposed to continue to, to manifest. No, I, I have a question. You know, oftentimes when people are in the projects and they are I don't know, um, worker bees or, 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 or they're soldiers or they're, you know, scientists or whatever. They, they, they t- tend to have um, a knowledge base that is limited to the job that they did. And, you know, in talking with you, uh, you seem to have a, a, a mixture, right? Because there are, our memories of definitely associate with your role as a super soldier and uh, one executing missions and then and then other knowledge that seems to be more closely connected to what a a a scientist would be dealing with or processing someone that's architecting the the missions and so forth so how how do you reconcile that in your own memory and what they had you doing where does the convergence come from? That's where sometimes the immunity comes in too. If you had a lot of scientific alters within you, which I did, then um, that was more highly favored, I guess, if you did good work. And, um, you know, as it stands right now, everyone's been tested for operational capacity and structural integrity with the benevolent side of the program. And we realized that that was a determining factor of your ability to maintain that integrity by making good choices. And those choices would produce positive results in the time waves and the time folds because we could literally see into timelines and prognosticate and see these things. Like we could start seeing into timelines to determine who is going to be like a bad seed in the program's future missions. And if you were a mission director, you would see, okay, that person's gonna compromise it or become a liability. So they would be removed then and prohibited from continuing. Um, It was character resolve. And you know, a lot. this is going to go against what a lot of people think happened in time travel and stuff, but I'm only here to disclose the benevolent side of it. 
So then into that goes organic spirit made tech versus man-made tech and how we differentiate ourselves from that. We learn through amalgamation of using so much tech, how to override AI systems, how to pretzel them in on themselves, how to break through man-made interfaces like brain gates, chips, portable time tech, all this stuff came from like, you know, decades ago. So what we're dealing with now is way more advanced like neural lace and other things like that, um, that tries to entrap more of your soul and spirit essence. Um, so a lot of the stuff was designed from Tesla patents, the Tesla time tech, we called it. And this got hidden through time in a period that was actually like a, a period of time wars. And we realized we could use a form of higher spirit tech to, to make ourselves almost untrackable and bypass certain instruments and measurements we knew that they were using to, to try to contain us because they were always trying to like reinvent the wheel, whatever we break free from, they try to make better and uh, it just didn't work. So, uh, I mean, they even used mobile harp against us and other things in upstate, uh, where was that? Upstate Vermont. Because upstate Vermont is where all the Illuminati brain surgeons are. Fun fact. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> Note to self, do not get brain surgery in upstate Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was like the Burlington, uh, upstate New Hampshire. There was also uh, a Sage radio tower, much like Montauk in upstate um, New Hampshire. So we frequented that and upstate Vermont. My only memory of these old guys that were surgeons is um, I was in a house and I was with other kids from my group and I, I for some reason was on the floor woke up and I could not for the life of me figure out how to tie my shoelace and my brain had like a bandage around it and those bandages and there was an old man there that told me to be very careful not to move and so I, I literally slept by the store I was trying I think for a couple days to figure out how to put my shoe on and tie my shoelace because they uh, literally packed into our brains and put the V2 tech and other things in there. Um, the, the next memory that comes after that is me walking down a snowy road in some little village in upstate Vermont. And I had one shoe on and I was barefoot on the other foot. And the people in this village were not allowed to pick us up if they saw us walking around or other things. So that was a very hard time too. And that was called Sentinel Programming. And um, that's a whole other story, though. That's in areas of uh, Smuggler's Notch. If you ever heard of Smuggler's Notch, this was a super soldier kind of exchange trading point uh, wow. that the Rothschilds used to bring us to their um, chateaus in Canada and Montreal and other areas. So they, they used that area quite a bit back then. <clears throat> but I digress. Okay. <laughs> no, you, you, you're doing just fine. So here's where I want to go next. Now, when we talk about, when you talk about galactic couriers and, and, and time travel, right? I mean, we're jumping right in both feet first, assuming that time travel is real. It's really happening. It's been happening for a long time. And uh, friends that are listening, if you are not there yet, um, I do not apologize for bursting your bubble, but there's a lot of things. <laughs> it's in there. I'll show you a different time. <laughs> so, so the thing is that, you know, there, years ago, 
there was a show that came out. It was called Fringe. I'm I'm sure you may be familiar, maybe not, but I remember when the show, first of all, it was creepy. It was like uh, a science fiction thriller series and and it dealt with a lot of a, a lot of so it was my first introduction to a lot of quantum um ideas and concepts that they kind of painted into the narrative of the show and and you know you had this guy who was basically smuggled out of another timeline because his father who's the scientist the crazy scientist in the show loses him in his timeline so he opens a portal goes into a different timeline steals his son from his other self in that timeline and brings him into this dimension essentially and then you have to resolve the break that this because it causes a, a break in reality right and now it compromises the integrity of all of these different timelines and there's the risk of everything collapsing in on itself as ceases go on it's like ah this is crazy and one of the the quantum lattice oh my yep so, so I'm watching this and, and, and at the time, I, I, I mean, I, I just like, I couldn't get enough. I was like, ah, you know, and uh, what am I going to learn this week? Because I was, I, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like it was research, even though, you know, they put all kinds of misinformation and stuff in there. Okay. So with that foundation, look, um, th- this was like, what, 2011, 2010, 2012, something like that. Anyway, one of the things that you ran into in that particular show was future humans. They they, they were showing up with their devices and doing stuff in the timeline. And they, they could never really nail down these future humans. They just kind of would show up, do stuff, disappear, whatever. Now, I want to let you talk a little bit about <laughs> the premise of this show from your perspective and also men in black, these guys that just show up. Obviously, they made a few movies with Will Smith about them, but they are certainly showing up in people's experiences and they don't seem to belong in this dimension or maybe they do. And they're just a big cover up operation. Talk to me. Yeah, I don't think they do belong here um, because those were created, I believe, because of so many anomalies like us that could uh bypass the tech and somehow learn our own type of spirit tech that the government couldn't trace and this goes into realm warfare so when i heard that you were doing prayers about realms i thought oh finally somebody gets it (laughs) realm warfare has been going (laughs) for a long time so we get off the grid so to speak you know piss a lot of people off when we did that when they sent us out in time, um, come kind of rogue, blipping off the radar here and there. Um, John Titer actually taught people how to hide in the ionosphere belt and other stuff and not be tracked by Oni, ONI, Office of Nasal, Nano, oh my gosh, Naval Intelligence. So um, it's where the angelic domain comes in and the realm warfare dynamics comes in. And this creates quantum fluxes, what I call. And this is where armor and the spirit comes in too, to protect us from these um, hunters, because the things that would hunt God's children are coming from the kingdom of darkness and, and Lucifer. And we had to have a defense for that. So God actually sometimes would make us invisible to our enemies. And because he's not just going to let, you know, 
all these things happen, our stars get imploded and everything get the realms get destroyed so easily because he created these things for his design and his purposes that his, his nothing would come back to him void when he set these things into motion. So, cause you know that your stars can be defiled, your realms can and whatnot. And a lot of that can come from our own choices or sin iniquity that we've not let go of too or things we've rooted in our minds that corrupt that divine design that can encapsulate our archies. But what I've seen um, with the people like the men in black who are sent out is that the same law applies to them as anybody else. God says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. So it never works out well for them. And I've seen more times than not, the hand of God and angels be upon the ones that God has allowed to continue to be translated and travel through time. Because if God wants somebody to stay in time, he will keep them in time. It's not up to you or anybody to make that choice because that's part of his mercy. If your original body's been destroyed or things like that, um, that's why he's allowed clones to live full lives. If their soul's integrated, their spirit, their consciousness, they can live that triune nature and have a, a consecrated sanctified vessel now. So um, the men in black, that's, I don't know, that's a whole other spiel, but sometimes they would just show up in black cars, dressed in black suits and be taking pictures. Other times it would be more bizarre situations. Um, but I'm not gonna go into too much detail about that because otherwise I wouldn't get through the other points I wanna get into. Um, one thing I do wanna tell people is that um, angels were also doing walk-ins with kids in situations like Montauk to help them get out of impossible situations. Now you have people like Caspel who Aquino gave the counterfeit name to Michael Prince because he knows that he had a special relationship with Archangel Michael and he defiled that by making an altar that was a counterfeit Archangel Michael in him. And a lot of times I run into kids and they're deprogramming that have Archangel names as code names, as uh, altars within them. So then you gotta figure out, okay, is it a counterfeit angel or what happened in this situation? Um, what I remember with this is that we were stuck in bunkers and some of these kids, you gotta realize their eyes were sunken in, they were black, they were completely drained, you know, chained to walls. Um, there was no way that they were gonna get out of there in complete darkness. And the only thing that could save them, rescue them was direct infusions of of holy light or angelic light that could bring them these dying ones back to life so i see in in these bunkers in montauk sometimes a light would come in from nowhere and god changed these kids in the twinkling of an eye and literally like resurrected them his own children sometimes for his optimal timeline to prevail because he wants everybody to get on his timeline and you know that's where we're the trajectory that we should all be trying to get to and knowing that we're in the book of life that we're in his timeline and in his hand so what i saw is like uh like flashlights and eyeballs and children like a light would go on out of nowhere and somehow they would be their batteries would be charged they'd be full of life essence restored and an archangel would be behind them or an angel that would push the door open and you know they would come out of the situation and be able to live so 
Um, it wasn't necessarily these kids having superpowers. It was from on high. Amazing. And you know, the, the, the Bible says his angels will bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot upon a stone. I, I think a lot of people don't understand the extent of how how far God will go to rescue, to save, to redeem, to, um, you know, and, 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 and it's sometimes hard to reconcile with the level of suffering that people go through because the, well, if God can just save me or pull me out of the situation or send one of his angels to block, you know, the, the handlers of the programmers from doing evil to me, then why doesn't he just do that all the time? Why did he actually use his power to keep me alive for more? And, you know, it's um, that, that could be a very difficult question for folks to reconcile. But but his angels, I mean, they are taking assignments. They are keeping people alive. They are bearing people up in their hand in, in very unique ways, far beyond what religious Christianity, I think, makes room for. And um, literally jump started them and drove a direct divine channel into their consciousness and turned the light back on. Wow. Came from on high. It's kind of like an autistic kid that won't look you in the eye. You know, their consciousness is in another dimension. So you have to drive um, divine consciousness back and anchor it into their body for them to be healed. Um, so these kids that survived, you know, they, they became system breakers. And um, so many amazing things God did with these kids out there. And um, they're not satanic super soldiers i know that he's got a remnant out there that are his uh heavenly super soldiers and they have ascribed holiness to the lord and um dedicated their lives to him you know how many there are i don't know but he's used them for um testifying on earth his miracles that he's wrought in the earth and also use them to prevent the overgrowth in certain earth phenomena areas of the king of darkness getting too big um, otherwise, like I said, entire cities, countries would have to be quarantined if it gets spread out too far and, and grows too big. You got to cut it off at the root. Um, and that's another aspect of the benevolent secret space program. And we call these hell breaches in certain areas uh, that we had to stop um, because Lucifer is involved in a lot of these things that go on on Earth and he wants to open the pit up too early. He wants to uh, you know, do all sorts of things. So the angels come in, they measure these things, they keep the timeline straight so that chaos doesn't consume and that we stay in God's graces and divine right order um, because we're supposed to receive the heavenly pattern of things and not reap corruption, but incorruptibility. So wow. he's laid in us step by step, line upon line and precept upon precept to do that. Um, so the key to quantum access ultimately belongs to God since time itself belongs to God and everything else. And he instituted his secret weapons, which were his heavenly super soldiers. <clears throat> and this is what's funny. God does laugh in derision. I, the kingdom of darkness thought that they were, you know, prognosticating and birthing their own hybrids. Um, since fallen angel DNA and other things they put in the babies, they tried to pass down those genetics and make what they would want as their own creation. But God had a different plan. Um, and what I saw in some of these bases were that holy angels were watching certain ones, these babies in the nurseries. And in certain nurseries, they breathe a different life into them. The angels literally breathe their essence into these babies so that uh, their DNA was not upbraided. And 
corrupted and that their life would be assured to dedication to the house of Jehovah and not be so, and also so that they could be superhuman um, in God's plan and not superhuman outside of God's plan, but be superhuman in a divine higher plan and end game that was in God's will, heaven's elite, his elect. Um, so they, as these children grew and were activated and they realized they were very different from what they thought they were, um, they just codenamed them angels, like angelically sold humans. They didn't know what to call them because they saw that they did have a type of essence that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and it's not genetically altered by military as babies. It was something different. And God encoded heavenly algorithms that was hidden from the kingdom of darkness so that these ones could fulfill their missions on earth and then disrupt the beast system and what I call the clone wars, which started in the early 1900s, really. So, you know, Scientology, they have your operating Thetan at the top level, right? So mm -hmm. things like the A files, OA stands for operating angel. Um, these babies came from the secret place, is basically, and they have a special relationship with the angels. Um, and some have books that are their own books of life written in heaven and, you know, hard missions here. But whatever the kingdom of darkness is doing, God can do better. Now, uh, this is, okay, <laughs> stretch point. Um, these, the, the, these nurseries that you saw, uh, question, were they on or off planets? They were on Earth um, because in the Project Surrogate, when you create a baby, uh, they are raised in certain bases. Um, but they come from a, a certain design in a lab. So what I saw was that um, God had spared a portion of these because he's not just going to let every single baby that the kingdom of darkness wants to speak a false destiny over and a false future over in witchcraft and their timelines. He's not going to let all of them just be satanic super soldiers. That's not what happens. I saw that he had wisdom and a better plan for some of these babies that because the kingdom of darkness didn't really see this so they can only see so far because they they can't comprehend the light and that's literally in their their minds their knowledge base they, they can only go to a certain point so they couldn't see what god had put in these because god seals our dna and um whatever the kingdom of darkness is doing god can do better and he'll contain evil the way he wants to and humans and angels have been working together more closely than what people realize and it says we're supposed to judge angels at the end so how are we supposed to do that if we're not taught that and god will destroy the end of come when we come to the end of ages god will destroy evil for good finally but it's got to be in his timing and plan so he had a better plan for our dna to be preserved to be sealed in his body than for Satan to just sift it as wheat and tear it. And what I saw in this future that's coming is that the tears literally are here to tear our DNA apart. And um, people, some of my children were having dreams about this too. The future image of a tear is a genetic alteration that happens at some point. And there are these um, 
fallen angels look like transvestites. They have a, a spell that they put on people that people think they're beautiful. These tears looked kind of like that in a hybrid image for all who took the image of the beast, but their teeth also revealed like a sharpness to them. And they were um, another reason why they're called tears because all flesh will not be spared unless time is sped up for the elect's sake. So another realization that God showed me was that half the world is already a form of synthetic hybrid or clone. And that's what the scripture is referring to too. So that's why he's stealing so many people and he, he steals our DNA. So that's going to really be difficult for some people to swallow, but here's the thing, you know, the, the more we talk to Risha, the, the, the more, I, okay. I'm just going to say this, right. Uh, God's been speaking to me about DNA correction for a long time. In mm -hmm. fact, he said that that's what I'm doing right now. This, this age, this generation is a generation where God is stepping into many bloodlines, generations, individuals, and correcting the genetic alterations that have been infused into these bloodlines through centuries and millennia, in some cases, mm -hmm. of degradation because of interventions with entities, um, because of scientifically engineered alterations, which all comes back to the conversation on iniquity because that means perversion and it's a genetic issue. So any alteration of genetics away from God's design is an iniquity problem. It's in the Bible. So that leads up to the beast agenda, which is this hybridized, blue-budded, artificial intelligence controlled, genetically modified generation that serves the beast and worships the dragon, right? So like the... The, the, working that into our understanding of what this generation is doing here. Yeah. Like there, there is a need for a whole generation of people to stand up on behalf of their bloodlines and generations and say, no, I will be the intercessor for my bloodline. And I'm going to receive the healing and the deliverance that Jesus has for me in my house. Well, that, Break it up. that means that there are a lot of people in this generation that, that carry defiled genetics mandatorily and, and more than we would ever imagine. So I, I wrote all these prayers here on a website, bridemovement.com, right? Got three books of prayers now. Every All these deliverance prayers all deal with genetics and RNA and, and essence and um, markers and all this you know, scientific stuff, because that's what, what the, where the deliverance is actually manifesting. And the funny thing is the people that would least expect it are triggering, getting delivered. <laughs> yeah. Huge shifts are happening. That's why my books sell because people realize I don't understand the language, but it's working. It's changing that's things. True. And, yeah. and, and the only thing that, I can take away because you look at the language in these prayers and it's just like, this shouldn't have to be a prayer. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, because, because it just seems like coming from a more traditional Christian background, it's just like, Oh, well, there's a problem. It's called sin. And when you get to sin out of your life, you've solved the problem. Therefore God will like you and you get to go to heaven when you like, it's just such a simple diagnosis. And really there's something much fancier going on. It's like, you shouldn't need these prayers, but, when yeah, we put them in the hands of 
regular Joes and Janes. I mean, we're seeing the most off the charts deliverances manifest and stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is a big problem. Absolutely. He really wants to seal our DNA because when he seals our DNA, it's the Holy Spirit who seals it. And that makes us not susceptible to becoming a reprobate because a lot of these kids were vulnerable in that aspect and uh, of becoming a reprobate where there's a point where you can't return. And that to me is, it was the worst fear ever. Um, and Lucifer has been involved with so much manipulation that I have seen him actually in human form. I have seen him as a little child form and I have seen him as a snake and I've seen him as a panther. You know, there, there's so many different aspects in the supernatural that do mesh with the physical. And I've had to encounter these attacks from the enemy. Um, so whatever God has done with me and sealing me, he has fortified me in a way that I was able to stand up on that level to the enemy and um, have him flee from me. Huh. Okay. Talk to me about the connection between Tesla technology and time travel? Um, this involved a lot of different warring factions and everybody wanted their hands on it. And it's still ongoing. Any patent you have to fight with like a bulldog and they will burn any city down to get it to, it's a patent war. Trump knew it, his father knew it, lots of people like that. It's still ongoing, but we had to find creative ways to conceal time tech from the hands of very evil people. And so it became like a game through time. Um, I talked a little bit about the use of different bodies and whatnot. And we used certain things that are advantage to throw off the enemy and the people that were stalking it through time. Um, kind of like a game of, uh, you know, uh, matryoshkas, those little Russian dolls. <laughs> Where's the original uh, person? But I'll tie that in once I introduce John Titer and who he was. Um, but one thing, can I just say one thing? You asked me a question before about how the bases were connected. Before I forget, I just want to tell you. Yes. Um, a main source that they're connected to is the underground humongous uh, communication network cables that go on the bottom of the ocean floor and other areas. And it's like this vast network of connections that are also connected to these computers. But a lot of it originates in the marine kingdom. And I think one of these horns will be a beast, one of the horns that rises out, out of the sea too, because it is a technology under there that is um, interlaced with the planet and the planetary grid network. So it's kind of like an aspect of a, a tech beast too. Um, and then I don't know if you've ever seen those metal pillars that appeared all over the world overnight, the Arizona desert, different parts. What is up with that? Um, that is also part of the quantum programs. And <laughs> what we did is we put quantum data packets into those pillars to anchor back uh, into the earth, kind of like a crystal would, so that we could anchor the quantum data, the correction of it back into the timeline. Because um, there can be use of quantum computing without having to feed that computer like lab-grown dead brain tissue, which then would make it a synthetic quantum beast computer ultimately that feeds off of dense life energy. So there can be an organic 
quantum computer that's good, just like there, you can make a good vaccine without all that other stuff in it. Okay, um, okay so I'll get back to what you just asked me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tie it in. I really will. <laughs> Brief synopsis, John Titer. That name is a code name. Uh, it's not a real person's name. Sorry to ruffle some feathers there, but uh, you know, there's an old NSA guy out there that's just an actor that says he's him, but that's not our original Johnny boy. John's story is super long. Uh, basically, he was a base kid that let himself get stretched out farther than anyone's gone to the point where we lost him, literally, in time mission directives and across the board. And what happened to him is that uh, he did things that nobody has ever possibly seen and they didn't know what to do with him. He actually did go to 2045, but then he came back and reported that it was a false uh, Bush Rothschild's created future. And he had hit a false future wall, he said. And then he started going backwards in time. And this goes into the tech. At one point, the looking glass was portable like alien glass and it had a sentient fluidity to it. So this glass, this alienware tech is based on intention. So when you would be sitting in the chair or something and you time travel, the main driving factor would be your consciousness because your consciousness has to connect to a certain frequency and point and be directed by that alone, like as it's through line, as an arrow. Um, so the, the looking glass, ultimately the quantum one is on the, the throne of seeing glass and God's throne room. But what man was trying to do is recreate it, you know, like we name things like, oh, the helmet of God and these other things for their technology. But it's, they're just copying. They try to counterclaim everything in creation. So this looking glass, it actually operated as a mass quantum lens, like a viewing port. Um, they alluded to this in certain movies where like a time traveling device would look like a rotating eyeball or something. That mm -hmm. goes back to ancient times where planets would be lined up in correct order looking at you like a red a blue and a white planet that would look like an eyeball through the looking glass so this tech actually became portable it could be like a big lens that was like a concave lens that you could actually place on a building window you could use certain tech to put it on a street post say to create a time gate to create a time window that would have a closing point other things like that and other precarious areas in plain sight to be activated so um the tech was like a flawless lens that could blend in with your environment so to speak um and this is this is going to get really fringe <laughs> i don't have the manual for these things disclaimer i'm only here to introduce topics for the closer disclosure purposes more light will come on them in the future but what happened to John is that he almost started becoming autistic in his mind and his mind, you take somebody that has a chaotic mindset, you know, they can't focus and pinpoint their consciousness to, um, to be as useful in time travel as what you would want per se. So in this stage of tech development, that was alien meshware, the looking lens that reads your brain patterns, he fell through the looking glass thanks to a certain female. Uncalibrated, he fell through, physically fell through one of these looking glasses. And what that created was a fragmentation of his consciousness and a shattering of him into pieces, like Humpty Dumpty, they said he was, that couldn't be put back together. 
So when he came back, um, he would just pop up in different areas in time and um, didn't know what he was doing. And he was the most fragmented uh, person that has ever been seen in the programs because he was scattered across time in different stations of identity is what happened to him. So his story is kind of similar to the Watchmen movie, John Osterman, um, but John Titer became something that was scary like that, ghost-like, an apparition that uh, you couldn't pinpoint him. He was in too many places at once. So his different stations of identity got scattered throughout the timelines. And then he said that he couldn't stop traveling and interfacing with himself. You know, he'd randomly pop up, say, at a, a Civil War battlefield or something, and he had no idea what to do or what he was doing there. So it's like we had a, a brief window of time with him, almost like we had to babysit him. And he became a pain in the program. So um, he taught us a lot of good things, though. He taught us how to use like digi clones, holographic selves to offset people that were hunting you. Um, because if you're going to be like one of the world's best time travelers, you're by default going to be on the Draco's number one hit list. Um, he called himself a time parser because he said he was always parsing through time or his pieces. Um, he's also given the name Silver Surfer in Oklahoma on the Rothschild's jump trains. Kind of like, you know, we knew how to time surf the time tracks. So that became like one of his nicknames too. And then what happened as a teenager, he gets fully anchored in his body, but then he became suicidal. Um, he couldn't fully integrate. He smashed his truck into a brick wall, and then he had implants that were holding his face together. So then he became kind of a joke to intelligence people because everybody had heard his story. Oh, this famous person, you know. And then when they go to meet him, he would be in these states where he was literally falling apart physically. So um, what happened is his file got basically scatter patterned all over the internet so that they do that so that nobody can actually get to the, the beginning of it or piece it together. So he so, falls through the class. Wow. Wow. And, and okay. So Sorry. the average person like me or the person that's listening to you on this podcast, it's like, okay, I'm just going to literally Google every keyword that you're dropping, Jerusha, because this is nuts, right? finds John Titer. What they're going to find is that he's a crackpot hoax, time traveler, this and that, and and a book, The Secrets of Time Travel by John Titer. Now, now I want you to just give me your opinion on this. Um, do you think that the person that wrote the book, The Secrets of Time Travel, is the same John Titer that you dealt with in the projects? I personally haven't read it because... <clears throat> I was very close to him and he told me everything that he knew. We shared thousands of memories and uh, he had pen names in all throughout time. You know, there's books that you just use pen names for, you get some information out, you data drop it. And, but it was so vast and so far that we literally uh, lost track of everything. A lot of things got kind of, uh, what's the word, uh, through the cracks. They just fell through the cracks. Um, so the past three years, I've been trying to put a story together, but I, I recorded him, but I haven't actually gotten to the point where I can actually put it into an understandable context because he was still all over the place in the little bit of time I did have with him. So he got thrown through looking glass, uncalibrated, because it has to biosync with you to certain coordinates and 
be very precise about it with intent. So in a paranoid mind state, you can't throw somebody through looking glass and just throw them into some time tech. That's crazy because you're gonna make a chaotic mess out of it. So that's what happened with them. They experimented um, with him in a way that I've never seen them experiment with anybody before. Um, he has some research. I don't know if it'll ever come out. He told me that there was a difference between a time body and a clone. The time body, he said, was a placeholder. That was a body created at a given point that had a expiration point, but clones were different. They could live full lives now. Um, this is gonna sound very strange too, but he also told me that they actually were trying to send DNA through the looking glass as well and see how far they could get with that and create. I don't know why they did this. Maybe it was, they didn't wanna you know, 3D print a body and take the time to do that or, it was something with uh, electrophoresis, it's called. Mm -hmm. Like you can grow a frog's leg uh, with, you know, coating the light in it. You mm -hmm. can grow limbs, stuff like that. So I think they're just trying to like fast grow a body or manifest a body as a placeholder in time if you, if you put it through the looking glass or something to kickstart the genes in a way well, uh, using those codes. Now, this is interesting. And I, I you know... I'm kind of listening audience just just understand if we're if, if you feel like you're being left in the dust you are so <laughs> the thing is I, I i've i've talked with people uh that have time traveling and i will call them time traveling parts because there are there's physical time travel where they put the whole physical body through the jump gate or whatever it is then you have the astral time travel where the, the parts of the soul that can leave the body are put on trade routes or jump through portals that are literally in the astral plane. And then they end up in these other timelines. And so the person could be in that timeline and it'll be one of their, for a lack of better words, alternate personalities in their alternate personality body in that timeline, physically or otherwise while the person's physically walking around buying groceries, going to church and, you know, having life. And so you have time travel in different ways. And even in the projects, I know that they put both bodies and soul parts through portals in, in the projects. And, and it seems like time travel runs in, in certain bloodlines. There, there are just certain bloodlines where, especially like, you know, Illuminati bloodlines where people just have time traveling parts that it's like, encoded in the dna it's like you you get them dissociated and their parts will travel time and one of the things that i ran into is there will always be an anchor point in the timelines that the parts of the soul frequent in other words they may go between here and 1750 United Kingdom and back regularly, but they always have a, an ability to like lock on to that timeline, that time frame, that location. There's a there's like a signature there where where it's like okay, we can find our way back there. We know where it is, and it's it's a piece of their humanity, which would be like DNA or essence or whatever. And, and and so when you're mentioning these time bodies, I'm thinking, oh, well, that sounds like this. 
this is so interesting. It's like, it's like they're trying to technologically reproduce what can be done through the generational iniquity linking back to hidden and secret mysteries and technologies that have been, you know, piggybacking certain bloodlines through thousands of years. And it's like they're doing this technology reproduction of it to bring more into it. I don't, it, it's just so interesting. It's a strong delusion because they're not sovereign. They can't create out of thin air a mm-hmm. conversion of themselves. That's what I think they were trying to do because they were, the infugaratio ratio is the real science where they were trying to recreate the spark of life what God can only do. Hmm. And so I've seen electricity. They use a kinetic uh, hydroelectric charge, electrophoresis, things like that, to go at a certain angular rate of particle spin to create a body. There's a certain method that they've figured out that will produce matter. And if you spin it at a certain rate, um, I've seen them try to use it at like electric plants, like nuclear plants, water facilities and stuff. For some reason, there's a lot of supernatural activity. And sometimes you see like double razor wires, even if it's a small electrical facility or water plant. I have a lot of memories of fighting beings and things at, um, at water plants and electric facilities for some reason. Because mm-hmm. lightning is a weapon of God. And I think they know that. So the real, the dual science tried to use that lightning bolt to and uh, invert it. But... They, they can never do it, though. That's the thing. And that's why they're under this strong delusion. So the time wars was Matryoshka. You know, you, they would try to track somebody in time, but they might not be tracking that original person. And that, that was, was, was kind of uncanny and funny about it. <laughs> because we could be in more places at once. Um, Hollywood's done this for years. They have their own clone matrix of actors. You know, there's no way that... Tom Cruise could be in like seven places at once sometimes. And they make movies and bases. They put them out 10 years later sometimes. So what John also did with me too is uh, catcher's mitt was another code name that was used. He would throw me in time and then catch me on the other side. And then this is where they got the ideas to do the same things with objects and other things. Um, I know that they did use his DNA to create more of him and more Johns. And um, this also shattered his consciousness uh, because they created six other Johns out of his DNA and they were called John Grayson's. And one of which, one of the ones was my CA handler in the Ozarks. Um, And I remember them trying to confuse me many times to say like, this is John, like, don't you know, this is John, but I knew that it wasn't there's always a genetic original in these programs, like genetic Wolverine is in India and Bollywood. And then the protégés, which were Wolverine project boys, those came from Montauk, um, but there's always an original. So this, this type of de- fragmentation, it was just unprecedented because his DNA was literally scattered all throughout time and his files scatter patterns. So you couldn't conclusively find out who he was. Um, we also had like bendable tech platforms, I remember, where we could uh, streamline data drops to a certain time point in the future, to a reference point. And that was like a trajectory that we used because um, 
<clears throat> I always took a lot of pictures too. Like I took many pictures of cast bolt that you see out there. And for some reason, uh, they would also use all of our pictures that they had us take as kids and then mix them up and throw all those pictures out at us in some weird type of mock interrogation sessions to throw us off our own timelines and tell us like, this wasn't you, this was this other person and things like that. So they had these weird screaming photo sessions that were like interrogation sessions with us that were only with our photos. Wow. So I have a, I have a question to ask on, on all of this stuff. So being a, a galactic courier, um, time traveler involved in these projects and, and jump jumping from one timeline to another in different places and all of that. What's the difference between how that affected you in 2012 and how that's affecting you in 2022? Has there been a change over the last 10 years relative to your system and experience in, in how that impacts you? And, and how would you describe that? Uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that I don't see, a lot of quantum changes. Um, my physical looks are changing a lot. I have pictures of myself that look nothing like myself many years ago. I've had to have many surgeries. I've had robotic assisted. Uh, surgeries in Rochester, Minnesota, and other places, exploratory surgeries on my shoulder and arm, um, where they scraped out uh, different like uh, adhesions and matter and other things. Um, I couldn't even get the lab reports out of those surgeries and whatnot. So I, when I went into Total Recall, it's like my body had some type of Herkheimer effect and I, for some reason, needed all these surgeries at a short period of time. So I think there's physical repercussions, um, but I would much rather live um, in knowledge in the light than live in the dark. Um, the same thing happened with John too. His body would um, go through periods where it would just fall apart and they'd have to put him back together. And when I physically was with him a couple of years ago, I tried to do his taxes and we found out that the social security number that he had used said it was that he was deceased. And the ironic thing is, is that God revealed it to us. There was a, a mural on a wall downtown and it was his real social security number. So that was very strange. But I will say the only one thing that the online titer does have right is the 177th Legion. That's his patch that he uses. What that was coined for is because the actual 177th Legion of demons came through a lodge in Joplin, Missouri. And that's why God judged it with that tornado, which was also in the Torah codes. Okay. So with that said, talk to me about centurions. Well, the centurion program was, uh, I'm getting that mixed up with sentinel. Sentinel programming was done in upstate Vermont, and that had to do with V2K tech, um, things that we called the X-Men Lake, the towers up there, Bigfoots. Uh, centurion, I touched on earlier, the first one, which was being trained in different uh, time periods, like Medieval times, 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. 
for some reason, they did this to make us some type of game changer uh, all across the board in the dimensions, because when you're dealing with Masonic grid networks and whole groups and factions of people that is on a large scale level like that, you have to look at it from like a 5D chess perspective and not uh, all across the board, all across through time. And John was the only one who really could do that since he had traveled so far and have gone had went across the board so much. Hmm. So they also did something called time splicing. I remember that word was used. Have you ever heard of that word? Time splicing. Go on. Um, they took us to a place called Dog Patch USA. And I think they tried to reset time there to keep it going as if it never stopped and then sidestep you into another timeline completely because it's we could never get out of this place and it drove us crazy. Um, but I realized they can't do that without your willpower or consent on some level because time's also a spirit and has to answer to the most high in all his times and seasons. So when you meet the face of time, that's another story. This is one of God's legal loopholes against the accuser too. Um, so this place called Dog Patch, it had um, Aquino caves in there. Rituals were being done. You'd have to go underneath waterfalls and get into these cave system complexes. And the CIA was there. There were uh, masons running a bar there and there was a circular theater there that was used for programming. And it was called Marble Falls, Arkansas. And it's a place we said we lost our marbles at because it was a very creepy abandoned amusement park um, with all these other groups of people there. And there was bikers there that were similar to Hell's Angels because they would get possessed and they were trafficking girls at this location too. Okay, so that's a lot going on and secret projects at night in this place. Um, I finally get out of here, I get the memory back. I am 18 years old. For some reason, I am seeing a psychiatrist in a courthouse that's family appointed. And he's showing me a map. And I don't know where they took me to this place, the name of it. He's helping me to find locations, you know, details, things that I thought was really going to set me free at 18. I had a name picked out for myself. I was going to leave the area I was in. I had a, I had a plan. So what happened when I was 18, I had my legal papers ready. I was going to change my name, get free. I get ganged up upon at the courthouse, both my arms, my family members. I end up at my house that night and there was limos in the front of the house. Two guys were on the side of me in the back of the limo and they did something to my brain that's called uh, Heinz 57. And in this type of mind wiping, technology that they used. It makes your brain feel like it's bleeding on the inside. Um, so for my 18th birthday, my present was to become brain wiped and become a ward of the state and to get set back many years of my life and try to figure it all out again and retrace my steps all over again. Wow. So before, and <laughs> well, after this time too, this is kind of funny, Dan. I don't remember any doctor's visits whatsoever. My dentist programmed me. He was a Knights Templar. He would drug me and other things. But 
I don't remember any doctor visits. The only thing I remember doctor related was my mom had a huge suitcase she brought home one day full of tapes. Remember those old tapes with the marker you'd write on them from some doctor. And these tapes, <laughs> Dan, it was the most obnoxious sounding flock of seagulls with ocean waves you could possibly imagine. And my mom would play these tapes full blast all day long, as loud as you could think, and then come upstairs and say, oh, don't you feel better now? And these were mind washing tapes from some doctor. And then I prayed to God and I said, God, please help me understand why these tapes are playing. Like it would just trigger me hearing these tapes. So then I finally heard a doctor's voice in the subconscious level when I played one of these tapes and got rid of those tapes. So they used a lot of just old school and weird techniques on me, I would say, in different periods of time. And that was one of them. Wow. wow. That one. <laughs> you have certainly seen a lot, Jerusha, and been through a lot. Let me um let me just say this. You know, at the end of all of this, as far as we've talked, and there's so much more to discuss. At this point in your life, what do you see as your purpose in Christ? What has God um called you to be and do? Um, well, he's always given me a heart for children, and I know I have a calling commission to set other captives free like myself, because he's always given me the ability to see things for what they really are. And mm -hmm. if I didn't have that ability, I would have been stuck in periods of darkness longer than what God had intended me to be stuck in there because he, he doesn't want you to stay stuck at all. So he's showed me over the years that with a sanctified imagination, there's no limit with him. And when you fall out of awe, if you're not in awe every day with who God is, then you need to fall in love with him again because, um, because he's just that wonderful. So the scripture that he gave me recently was uh, second Samuel, 222 you have armed me with strength for the battle you have subdued under me those who rose against me and your strength i can crush an army and with my god i can scale any wall so that should be um, an inspiration for others that have been through literal wars like myself and it doesn't even have to be big wars it can be little it can be spiritual battles it can be other types of war um, but there are those that god has made war horses for this time and I just want to encourage them that he is with you. He's never forsaken you. And he's always loved you and designed you for a greater purpose. And he's calling those ones back because the Lord's heart is really wanting to gather the elect first and foremost that are deceived right now or lost. And uh, he wants more testimonies to come out so that people can understand his mercy. It's not about us and it's not us that the evil ones were attacking. It was Jesus Christ primarily. And especially for those who've been put through the ringer and stretched out so far that they thought they'd never come back or be whole. He wants to really reach these ones and speak to these ones today because the ones in the fringe files who've been scattered to the outer fringes, these are the ones that um, 
he he wants to lavish his love on because they haven't they've had such a lack of love for one so if you call upon him he'll bring back the remembrance of him uh, encounters with him of who he is and who you are so that you can remember who you are and then receive restoration rectification and redemption and then he can come in and fill all those voids and any emptiness so his desire for you is to have fullness of joy and most of all to delight in him so that he can delight over you and sing over you because i've actually had him sing over my dna and he wants you to know that if you feel too far gone or removed from his presence it's because of his favor over you already that you're still here and and have made it this far he's preserved you by his grace for such a time as this and that's proof that you have intrinsic value and a portion of his riches and glory so we're here to sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron and be refined and to edify each other in that process too and he'll make himself known if you seek him wholeheartedly and he also has a special name that he calls each one of us and all you gotta do is ask him what he calls you and develop that personal relationship with him and he wants to set us right. He wants to set everything right. And his way is right. And he wants time set right. And all crookedness removed from its path so that our path can be straightened out and there's no crookedness in us too. Um, so he can return and give us a bright hope in a future that he's promised us because his goodness is everlasting. Wow, wow, wow. That is so encouraging. Thank you. Thank you, Jerusha. And um, with that said, I think we are going to close out this portion of the conversation. Uh, friends, again, if you haven't heard uh, Jerusha's first interview with me, you can go back on dandeval.com or just anywhere that the Discovering Truth podcast airs and find it. And um, all I can say is, I don't think we're done talking yet. So folks, uh, with that said, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.